Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 1012, it is a Tuesday, 7th of November 2023. Make sure if you do have a ballot to vote on today, you are getting out and doing so. Mayoral election in Duluth, etc. I know where I live, there is nothing to vote on. But you can always check the Secretary of State in your respective state, whether it's Minnesota or Wisconsin. Yeah, the website, the Secretary of State voting site, does have all that information. You punch your address in. It'll tell you if there's a ballot. It'll tell you what's on the ballot. You can make sure you do your homework before you go vote. But the polls are open uh, where they're open until 8 o'clock this evening. Uh, coming up in about 25 minutes, season preview with the head coach of the UMD women's basketball team, Mandy Pearson, off that magical run to the Division II National Championship game last season in Dallas. The Bulldogs are retooled and ready for 2023-24. Preview from her coming up. But first, we talk some Timberwolves off a rousing overtime win at Target Center last night. Joining us, voice of the Timberwolves, Alan Horton. Good morning, sir. Hello, Bruce. A rousing win, I'm going to call that. That was fun last night. It was. It was rousing. It was intense. It was a heavyweight matchup. Um, I was kind of hoping that game would go like that. It's, um, you know, it, it was an impressive win over Denver, not to take anything away from that. But I, I feel like the Wolves have, you know, they've seen Denver an awful lot. You see them four times a year, matched up in the playoffs last year. Uh, but, but Boston, you know, five times the last seven years, they've been in the Eastern Conference Finals. They've been in the Finals once. They're the finals favorite this year. This was a big-time matchup against a team that, that the Wolves don't see very often and don't play very well. They lost 12 of 13 against uh, against the Celtics. And this thing, you know, you, you always know you're in for a good game or a pretty good game at least when neither team gets a double-digit lead. And that was the case last night. It was back and forth. It was not exactly pretty. It was more defensive-minded than than maybe the if, if, if anybody caught the Golden State-Oklahoma City game from a few nights ago, that was like 140 to 136 <laughs> or something like that. Uh, that wasn't this. This was this was kind of old school. This was physical. This was knock them down, drag them out, uh, just just fighting for every point you can scrap your way to. And it was um, it was it, it was awesome. It was it, this is a game that the Timberwolves don't normally find a way to win. You've seen enough of these, Bruce. They don't win these games. They did. Uh, mostly because of Anthony Edwards, he was just sensational. I was going to say Anthony Edwards comes out of this, uh, you know, is the kind of the star of the show. Thirty-eight points, eight in overtime, nine rebounds, seven assists, and you know, it, 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 on a night where Carl Anthony Towns had foul trouble and never really got to his game, on a night where where, where Nas Reed was was five for nine, but ten of his fourteen points came in the first quarter. Anthony Edwards was down the stretch. I, I, maybe you know, we, we always hear about you want your best players to be your best players. When the Wolves needed Anthony Edwards, he was their best player. And I just thought he rose to the moment once again. I mean, we've seen him do this before, um, whether it's at home or on the road in big environments, uh, postseason games. He rises to the moment. And, you know, he accepted the challenge of, of going toe-to-toe with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Those guys have gone places. They've done things. They've proven things. Um, Ant wants to be one of those guys. Um, and he outplayed them down the stretch. I mean, his six straight points in overtime were electric to push the lead from one to seven. Um, and, and every time the Wolves needed to play, he, he came up with it, whether it was attacking the rim, getting to the free throw line, 
his outside shot, uh, maybe a few still too many mid-range shots, but, boy, when he hits them at the rate he does, it's hard to it's hard to complain, and maybe those are the open shots for him too. So, he, he I mean, the seven uh, he had nine rebounds, he had seven assists. I mean, he led the team in scoring and in assists. He did a little bit of everything, and he continues to rise to the moment. It's just um, it's been awesome to see, especially stepping up in these key key situations. Uh, the Celtics shot thirty nine percent. If I'm not mistaken, this is three straight opponents that have been held under forty yeah. percent by the Timberwolves. I, it's probably not a coincidence that Jaden McDaniels is back at full force here and full health yeah. after he missed the first couple of games of the season. What has it meant to this team? And he's not the. I get he's not the only guy playing defense on this team, but what's it meant to have him back? Uh, it's, it's been huge. It's been huge. Um, and even though he's been in foul trouble the last couple of games, he, he did an okay job last night of staying out of foul difficulty because you, you certainly needed him against the likes of Brown and against Tatum and Drew Holiday as well. Um, they, they do a lot of ISO, and, and, and you need one-on-one individual defenders, and that's that's the strength of Jaden McDaniel's game. Um, and he got off to an awful shooting start last night. He went one for nine to start the game. He finished up nine of 18. So, um, he was tremendous down the stretch. He had 10 fourth-quarter points, um, and behind Anthony Edwards, he was basically the main scorer because you mentioned Nas got most of his points in the first half. Um, it, it, the Wolves really didn't have a lot of options offensively, and, and he had, I don't know how many of those seven assists went to Jaden, but I feel like three or four of them did, and a couple of those were threes that were huge. So getting Jaden is back is big. And, and Bruce, I, I think it's difficult to understate uh, the difference when you watch Rudy Gobert this year compared to last year. He looks... It's not like he looks like a different player because he looks the same, but the way the defense is playing is is at another level, and his um, comfort and fit with the defense is at a different level than it was last season. He's blocking shots, he's deterring shots at the rim. He looks more engaged. It looks like more of a feel. You know, year number two. I, I just, I guess we kind of thought we were hoping last year that it would be that kind of a fit right away, but that's just sometimes not the case. Um, and it, 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 I think everybody wishes it would have happened last year, him included. But, hey, we'll take this year because it's been really good. Not only three straight opponents under 40%, but three straight opponents under 30% at the three-point line. So uh, the Wolves are getting it done defensively in a big, big way. It's, it's the reason they have the number one defense in the NBA. Did I? We're talking to Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. Did I see something, uh, either a tweet or a headline, something mentioning that the Wolves used all three of their big men at once for uh, points of Saturday's game against Utah? I didn't get to see that game. I was busy, but did you that know, happen? They used, the, they used they used Reed Towns and, and Gobert together? They were apparently on the floor all together. i got to look that one up. I don't think it was for very long. Okay. I don't know what the scenario was, but it wasn't extended minutes. But, yeah, it was the first time that you know Chris Finch had joked about that. Hey, how are we, we going to fit time for Nas Reed? I'm going to play all three at once. But I, I, technically it did happen. But Is, even Chris Finch didn't realize they had all three in the other night. He, he was like, did, I, did that happen? He's like, and then reporters told him, yes, it did. That's funny, actually. So I, I'm guessing that this is something that that if you're going to do it, this has to be matchup, uh, you know, matchup intensive type of thing. You're you're not going to put them out there, those three together. If the other team's got a bunch of six eight guys, no, no, it's it's not going to happen very often. And and you know what, it's working just fine having three for two spots. Um, there's enough minutes to go around. And again, Nas has never played more than 19 minutes a game. Um, now he's certainly. The way he's playing, he's warranted playing, you know, twenty-five to thirty minutes a night. Uh, but you know, there, you, you know, whatever, whatever, three times forty-eight is. That's that's the number of minutes you have, and and I, I think you've 
I think you can fit all three of those guys in those number of minutes. Speaking of posts on X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it now, I did see yours starting the campaign for Nas Reed for sixth man of the year. Uh, help the ignorant out here. What are the qualifications for a sixth man of the year? I got to, I mean, I guess, is it as simple as you don't start all the time? Yeah, you have to have, uh, you know, the majority, I don't even know what technically the benchmark is, but um, you, you've got to come off the bench for at least 75% of your game. So, um, you know, one of the guys ahead, he's third in the league in bench scoring. He's number one in field goal percentage, number one in three-point percentage when you when you filter the high-volume players coming off the bench. Um, so he's gotten off to a spectacular start. He doesn't normally go to a big man. It's, it's kind of tough, right, because it's a guard-driven league. Um, you've got the Lou Williams and Jamal Crawfords of the world. They're both out of the league, but those guys have accumulated a lot of six-man-of-the-year award winners. Um, only a big man once in the last 12 years has won, and it, it was a guy, Montrez Harrell, who was in the – with the L.A. Clippers, and, and Nas is kind of a similar player, stature-wise, to, to Montrez Harrell. And so why not? Let's, let's get the train going. Let's get the bus going. Um, you know, these things, uh, as we often see, sometimes these narratives are set early. Um, I remember when, when Ant was battling, what, LaMelo Ball for the Rookie of the Year? Was that, that, that seems right. And, yeah, I think it's right. You know, it, it just got going, and even though Ant had the much better second season, even though LaMelo missed a ton of time, his rookie year, it didn't seem to matter because the narrative was set early with a lot of spectacular highlights from LaMelo Ball, um, and Ant just couldn't couldn't make up that ground. Um, and so, you know, Nas is certainly worthy of it. Um, he's got to sustain it. There's no doubt about it. You've got to continue to play at this level, but so far, so good. Uh, hey, we go back to last week in, in the, the Denver game. So they had the 19-point halftime lead in Atlanta. We all know how that ended. I don't need to, to beat that over the head. But then... In perfect Timberwolves fashion, they come out the next night against the defending NBA champions and take, you guessed it, a 19-point lead at halftime. I don't know what the odds of that happening are in back-to-back games, especially when you blow the lead in the first game. But as you're going through that second game against Denver, at what point did you start to think that the Wolves actually had that? Uh, You know, I never did, not until we got to the fourth quarter, and I think that's the way the Timberwolves played. Like, they just... They forgot about the time on the score and just kept playing, right? Just just keep playing until coach takes you out or that final horn sounds. Um, and I feel like the Wolves did that all the way into the fourth quarter where finally Michael Malone was just like, you know, we're not winning this game. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm pulling out my starters. Jokic and Murray can come sit for the rest of the night. Um, and that's when the Wolves, you know, could finally take a breath and uh, realize that they had won it. It's, it is funny how those things kind of happen, but I think it speaks to Chris Finch um, and his ability as a head coach to, to – to get his team to move on from things. Remember a couple of years ago in the postseason, the bad losses to Memphis, and there was one in Game 3 in particular where the Wolves blew a 20-point second-half lead um, in Game 3 on the home floor. They had a couple of days before Game 4. And I tell you what, Bruce, nine times out of ten, that, that team is then done. They're just cooked. You can't have that kind of loss and respond from it. But the Wolves did. And one thing Chris Bunch does is he, he treats it as – you know, as you're going through some kind of a trauma or something. First, you have to recognize it. You have to own it. You've got to accept it. You've got to speak your truth to it, and then you have to move on from it. You can't just say, oh, we're moving on to game four, but you don't. You have to process all that. You have to go through all the different stages, um, and the Wolves did that. They won game four, which I thought was incredible, and, and there have been some smaller examples of that in the regular season, um, and I thought this was another example. To come back from that Atlanta game and have the exact same situation the following game, that's against a better team, um, the defending NBA champs who hadn't lost all year. I, I, I think that speaks to what Chris Finch has been able to do with his squad through the years in terms of moving on from some of those really tough losses.
couple more for Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. New Orleans tomorrow night, 7 o'clock from Target Center. Coverage 645 here on KDAL. That means Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram. We, you know, they, They've got guys that can score. This is a dangerous New Orleans opponent tomorrow night. Yeah, and I, I, I keep waiting. You know, I, I keep waiting to see Zion. I'm, I'm holding my breath, though, because you never know when he can be find himself injured. He might injure himself just walking to the plane this afternoon. Um, I feel like we haven't seen him much, and NBA fans haven't seen him much in the first whatever four or five years he's been in the league now. Um, yeah, this is a this is a this is a dangerous team, and also because I think you know you did get up for the Denver game, you got up for the Boston game, and you know this. It, it's interesting. You just every night is a big night. Well, guess you know a, a five-game road trip begins after this, and then the following game on Friday, you've got Wemba Nyama in San Antonio. Then you go to Golden State for two. So if you think this Boston game was an intense, physical type game where you spend a lot of energy, guess what? That has to be the norm. You're facing those type of opponents each and every night. And if you think New Orleans is any lesser than Boston, well, then you can easily get beat because you mentioned the names that the Pelicans can trot out there. And if you don't have your focus or you're not uh, dialed in like you need to be on the game plan, they can put points up in a hurry and they can beat you as badly as anybody. And, of course, you mentioned Victor Wembanyama, the, the phenom, the number one pick in the draft, San Antonio, and that is the Wolves' first game in the in-season tournament, which I don't even know what to think of this. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it, – it's, it's fascinating because we're so dialed into the regular season that all of a sudden – well, you're going to know the difference because there's going to be a funky court. <laughs> yeah, yes, I, true. I watched, I watched that Golden State-Oklahoma City game. Those two teams are also in the Wolves group play. So it's OKC, Golden State, it's San Antonio and Minnesota. You get, you get, the, uh, you get the four play-in games, uh, your group stage games. Everybody keeps calling it the play-in, and I, I have fallen into that trap as well. It's the in-season tournament, and you get four group stage games. They're also, they also count for the regular season, so there's no – um, Chris Finch said, hey, we're embracing it, but we embrace it like we embrace every regular season game. And if you do well in the group stage, well, that means you're doing well in the regular season. So it, it behooves everybody, and, and I think the NBA was smart in doing this, not making this, making these games not count for the regular season because then you might get some teams that just throw in the towel on this thing. You don't want that to happen. So you'll see the court. Um, it does count a little bit extra. Um, you know, you, you have to do – you only have four games in your group play – um, so you better make the most of it if you want to go further in this tournament and maybe end up in Las Vegas. Yeah, these floors are weird. I <laughs> I saw well, I was going through all like I, I'm like it's just it it I, I get why they're doing it. You're you're trying to showcase this event's first time they've done it and, and they want it to mean something, but I, the expense they had to have gone through to make floors for all thirty two teams for this in season tournament, right right there you, you can tell they're taking it seriously. Yeah, there's no doubt, and I, it took me a long time to get used to the floor in Oklahoma City. It was this, you know, really bright, sharp. I mean, it almost looked like you're playing a. Co- you know, some of the college floors have gone a little different directions over the years. I think of Oregon's, you know, court with the trees on it, which yeah. is I can't even, I can't even watch a game on that floor. But the OKC one was this really kind of. It was a, it was a darker blue, but it was so bright, and it was such, the contrast. It's just you're not used to seeing that. You're used to seeing a parquet, you know, type floor light or a dark brown wood um, and not sort of these vibrant colors and this massive stripe going down the middle. It's, it, it does take some time to get used to. Uh, Alan's got the call tomorrow night from Target Center. Wolves and Pelicans covered 645 here on KDAL. Back on AM 710 was Sunday's game against Golden State. Thank you as always, sir. We'll talk soon.
You got it, Bruce. Take care. Alan Horton, Timberwolves Radio Network. Always fun to talk some basketball on the radio show. We're going to keep talking basketball on the radio show. Women's basketball coach at UMD, Mandy Pearson. She joins coming up. Bruce Siski Show, sponsored by Sanju, continues at 1028. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The University of Minnesota men's basketball team beat Bethune-Cookman 80-60 last night to start the season 1-0. We'll talk with leading scorer Dawson Garcia next. How much can you save when you shop Cub? Let's just say you might need a bigger cart. We've lowered prices, so you save more. On Essential Every Day, it's easy to see the savings. Across the aisles, from pantry products, to frozen foods, to delicious dairy, and more. Your family will love it, guaranteed, or your money back. Shop Cub and save today. My Cub, my way. See store for details. Gopher forward Dawson Garcia led the way last night with 21 points, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists, and the Gophers won by 20 over the Wildcats. Dawson Garcia joined us after the game. Yeah, there was a lot of juice just, you know, because it was the open night. And, you know, we, we couldn't be more excited to just get out there and, you know, play the first real game. In our eyes, it's just another sparring session. You know, we take the way we take practice is harder than the games and just as serious. So it's just another sparring session out there. And uh, we look forward to just laying more bricks. Take me through your attitude rebounding-wise. You had 11 rebounds in the first half, and then you just kept rebounding, finished with 14 with that double-double. Um, what, 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 uh, how do you go about rebounding? Yeah, the other day I was, uh, you know, I, that's something I really just want to take a big step in because uh, I know I'm capable of it. So just continuing to uh, crash the glass. And um, I actually practice rebounding too. So, you know, I'll put up the stopper on the rim and um, just get some reps in, practicing how it's coming off the rim and stuff like that. So I think that those things have helped me. And, you know, I, and then my teammates just give me a lot of energy and encouragement to um, continue to be like a monster on the glass. That's Gopher Dawson Garcia. Minnesota will next host Texas San Antonio on Friday night. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. The Bruce Siski Show. Ricky, first of all, where did you learn to drive like that? The car. Uh, car handled real good. Can you speak up, Ricky? The car. It handled real good. So what do you like think, I was on a spaceship. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Uh, it'd be good just to hold them down by okay. your side. Yeah, great. Well, we're real happy. On 610 at FM 103.9 KDAL. Glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in. Good to be with you on a Tuesday. Thanks to Sanju. Sanju Polera, Sanju.com. Proud sponsor of the radio show. We are going to come back after news, and we're going to talk some more basketball. UMD women. That magical run last year all the way to Dallas in the Division II National Championship game. And we'll talk to the head coach, Mandy Pearson, losing an All-American, but bringing back some really good players. We'll get a preview of Bulldog basketball after CBS News at 10.35. The Bruce Siski Show. Sometimes I feel like everyone I work with is an idiot. And by sometimes, I mean all times. All the time. Every of the time. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAO. Coming up on 1040. Tomorrow, UMV men's basketball coach Justin Wick. Also, our dear friend Brad Schlossman, who covers North Dakota hockey for the Grand Forks Herald and the RinkLive.com. We'll preview Bulldogs versus North Dakota this weekend. Later on this week, 
UMV men's hockey player TBD, also North Dakota coach Brad Berry to preview that weekend series. Joining us now as the college basketball season underway, UMV women kick it off on Saturday in Indiana. Their head coach is Mandy Pearson. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? How's the off season? It's going well. It's going well. That's nice well, fishing games in, and the girls are working hard. Yeah, you're uh, you're ramping up here real quick, and and as you look ahead to 2023 24, obviously you know, the magical run from last year is very fresh in the minds of a lot of people that support this program. You guys have to turn the page though quickly. What's that process been like as you get ramped up and you get ready for for the start of the season on Saturday? You know what? It's been really fun. I, I have some motivated upperclassmen who have shown us some really great leadership capabilities so far this year. And we met, you know, the, right at the beginning of the school year and, and just talked about they shouldn't feel pressure because it's exciting. It's a blank sheet of paper and we're building our own story this year, just like we do every year. So hopefully they're not thinking about the past, you know, obviously enjoying what we accomplished last season, but we've, we've got to move forward pretty quick. Uh, you've got a couple of graduates, and Tatum Rhodes and Madeline Granico. You know, and, and you know they're not the only leaders, but they're the the oldest players that you have. They're they're the fifth years. What's it mean to have those two back in the roles that they'll play for you this year? I was joking with one of our freshmen this year, a couple of days ago. Madeline Granica kind of keeps me in line, like she's incredibly organized. And so I was just saying, I don't know what I'm going to do without her because she she tells me what I miss and if I forget to do something, and so. They, you know, she's got that for her unique leadership style. Tatum's great on the floor and is an awesome communicator, really hard worker. So, I mean, those two just have great personalities, and and they want to compete every day. So it's, it's fun to have them. You know, I'm so happy they're here for a fifth year. You know, this is the last year that fourth year seniors can have this option. Uh, your your fourth years this year can come back next year if they want, and that's it. The, the COVID exemption will go away. I've talked to some Division One coaches, and now I've gotten a chance to talk to some, to some Division Two coaches about this, but for you as a coach, what does that mean that, that you know, no more fifth years? You've had some great fifth-year players in your program. It's going to be weird. You know, next year, that being the last one, it'll be incredibly different because I think I've gotten used to getting to keep these people close to my life for the you know, for five years now instead of four, so I think I'll mostly just be sad to, you know, not get to keep those people around the program longer because I just absolutely adore all of them. Uh, you've got two Lexis on the team, and their last names are close. Lexi Cargie and Lexi Carlin. How do you differentiate the two of them on the floor? <laughs> we call one Carl. Call <laughs> <laughs> one Carl. But somebody said that they're like, no, you can't do that because my boyfriend's name is Carl. So, oh. um <laughs> So I think only one person has an issue with it. But, yeah, we call Lexi Carl and Carl. Uh, we're talking to UMD women's basketball coach Mandy Pearson. Uh, two of two seniors, Taya Hakamaki and Ella Gilbertson, both I thought really immer- – not that they didn't have good years, but boy, oh, boy, you got in the region tournament and, and into the into the Elite Eight. Those two really emerged on the scene and, and I think made a name for themselves. What kind of years can those two have as, as now fourth-year seniors? Yeah, they, they're just so talented. And, you know, the funny part about them is you talk about COVID and getting to keep people along, around longer. Those two kind of took the brunt of not getting the minutes that they deserved. You know, they've been good enough to be starters in this league for, you know, two years prior to this year. And so I think that was probably really challenging for them. 
but the best thing that that for our team is that both of them and their parents were so incredibly supportive and positive that I mean that sometimes that makes or breaks your team you know when you have such talented players willing to take a lesser role than what they probably deserve Obviously, you lose an, an All-American in, in Brooke Olson, a, a multi-time All-American who had an unbelievable career. I, I told you midway through last year, I, I'm looking forward to, to 10 years from now when we induct her into the UMV Athletic Hall of Fame in her first year of eligibility. But in the meantime, that leaves a massive hole in your lineup. And I'm guessing that this is something that you know, you, you, there's no way you can expect one player to do what Brooke Olson did. And I'm guessing you've had that conversation with players that are going to be in that spot. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we're just going to be different. Last year, our offense revolved around Brooke. And so she was really involved on every play. She, you know, we just kind of moved around her because she was that good that we could. And so now the challenge is it, what moments, who do we go to? You know, um, the ball is moving differently than it did last year. And we've adapted a few things with our offensive system to fit what we have. So, I mean, it's just, it's kind of new and exciting because I'm learning some new systematic things. So are our players. And now we just got to figure out what do we do at crunch time? Who do we go to? Because I think we're going to, hopefully what we're seeing is multiple people in double figures every game. And, and you said the word exciting. How exciting is that for you as a coach? Because it, it, it's it, it's like you're you're molding clay. You're, you're 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 painting a whole new picture here. And and right now you don't necessarily know what that picture is going to look like. No, we have no idea. And we're seeing glimpses of some really great things that could could happen if we can, you know, get our ass together consistently. But it's it is exciting because now it forces me to learn new things. I think. I would guess one of the worst things that you can do as a coach is just get stagnant in exactly what you do. So I'm I'm learning more. I'm getting to do some different things with different players. So I'm, I'm actually really enjoying it right now. A couple more here for UMD women's basketball coach Mandy Pearson. Uh, three exhibition games, uh, two at home, one on the road against the Division One opponent at South Dakota State last week. Over these three games, what have you learned to this point that can help you as you get ready for Saturday when it counts? <laughs> Um, we've learned a ton. You know, we've learned that we have some really good weapons. We've seen some of, you know, the, the issues that we have defensively that we're going to spend some time working on. And, um, you know, the nice thing is that the, all the teams that we played ran similar systems to what we're going to see this weekend. So it gives us a lot of film, and it's allowing me to come up with some better drills to hopefully teach us how to defend a little bit better. But, yeah, those exhibitions have been awesome. And we've... You know, we've we've gotten to see some success, and then we got to see a quarter where we got tired and let SDSU go on a big run, and that was kind of the difference in that game. We were pretty close with them for three quarters. Uh, you've got Thomas Moore from uh, out of Hammond, Indiana, on Saturday evening at 5.30 our time before you head to Parkside in Kenosha on Sunday. That's a long road trip, and i got to think that there's some intentionalness to this. You've got a, you've got a new group, and now you're, you, you get to take them early in the year on a long road trip and, and let them bond a little bit, which I, is always important for a team. Absolutely, and we travel well. Like They don't complain. They're awesome on the road, and you know, honestly, I think the the nice thing is Friday night we'll get to probably stop and I got to check the rules, but watch Kenosha and Thomas Moore live, and then we'll play Thomas Moore on Saturday and head to Kenosha to play Parkside. Um, I said Kenosha, not Parkside, but play Parkside on Sunday. So 
I think it's going to be a fun little trip for us, and hopefully we stop and eat at some good places. That's always the most important part. I was going to say, what is your favorite road trip, you know, bus activity? I, 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 I've been on buses with coaches that will they'll, they'll sit and watch video the whole time. I've been on buses with coaches that play cards with their other coaches. What do you like to do on the bus? Um, I'm either sleeping or watching film, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> the benefit of being 5'4 is I can curl up and um, take some Z-Quill and snooze for a little bit. But, no, I the, the best part is just, the conversations that you get to have with some of your players. You know, I have a tendency to use the bathroom a lot, so when I'm working my way back there, I stop and talk to them, and they, I'm probably annoying them, but I enjoy it. What, uh, what, what kind of things are the players that you, you notice like to do on the bus? I, I'm, I'm guessing when you're coming home on these long trips, there's a lot of sleeping going on. There's a ton of sleeping, but, you know, it depends who it is. Some people on our team are, you know, obsessed with school, so they do a ton of schoolwork. Others are obsessed with Netflix, so they've got their headphones in and they're watching Netflix. Um, some of them sit and chat. You know, kind of a combination. They'll, they'll play games every once in a while, and, you know, it's, it's kind of gone away from where we put a movie in and everybody watches the same movie because everybody can just watch what they want on their phones. So that's changed. That's what I was going to say. I, I, it, the, the days of the bus movie seem to have died because everyone can just watch whatever movie they want on, on their phone or on their tablet whether, with their headphones on. Or they can, you know, you can, you can have friends that, that join in for a, a little movie in a spot if you want to as well. That technology is all there. And the, 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 the DVD player on the bus doesn't get used as much as it used to. No, it doesn't. And I remember, like, I brought the bodyguard. Everybody's seen the bodyguard. That's my age, I hope. <laughs> and most of them hadn't seen it. And I got like a standing ovation. They were clapping. They liked it so oh. much. So I felt really good about it. So maybe that's where we needed to end that, me bringing movies to the bus thing. Uh, you, you go on a high note. I think that's a good idea. Uh, safe travels yeah. this week. Hopefully you get a couple of wins and, and get a good start to the season. We'll talk soon. Awesome. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it. Head coach of the UMD women's basketball team, Mandy Pearson. But I missed that on the bus where you just you know, the freshman on the men's hockey team would bring movies and we just we we'd have a movie going. It was fun. Now you know, just watch your own movie, which I guess ain't all that bad either. Anyway, Bulldogs versus Thomas Moore, five thirty Saturday in Hammond, Indiana, at the Parkside in Kenosha Sunday at two. Home opener Thanksgiving weekend a Saturday against Michigan Tech. UMVBulldogs.com has your hookup for Bulldog basketball tickets schedule and more wrap it up in a moment 1050 bruce siski show brought to you by sanju on kdal the bruce siski show we've been through this before weekdays at 10 on kdal 10:59. we are back at it tomorrow at 10 and we'll chat with brad schlossman grand forks herald the rink we'll take a look at this weekend's umd north dakota series fighting hawks off to a 5-2-1 start very good start for them with all the personnel changes they made in the offseason. More on that with Brad. Also, the head men's basketball coach at UMD, Justin Wick. They hit the road this weekend as well to kick off their season, and we'll get a preview. Sound off after the news. Have a great Tuesday. Thanks for listening. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No, yes, no, well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What do you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. For more than 80 years, KDAL 103.9, W28FBFM, and 610 KDAL Duluth Superior, a Midwest communication station. KDAL.